Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Quiet, choppy, not a lot going on. I think it's three simple words to describe what's happening to the market-wise here in the States. But we know that there's a big global influence that continues. Whether you're talking South America, Ukraine, or let's be honest, the Mississippi River in-country has caused a lot of concerns for our grain guys. We're going to look at that and a whole lot more today. As Jeff Peterson is joining us, Jeff is with Heartland Farm Partners. And really this market, Jeff, kind of started out it's just got a choppy feel like it just doesn't know which direction we should be going you know it, it really does and that's the best way i'd kind of sum it up is that you know even take action today susan you know for the day december corn is down two and three quarters cents but you know we traded all the way down to 674 so we'd have been much lower but at one point on the high today we were about six cents higher than this and we had that same action over on soybeans november soybeans closed up closed up a half a cent but we had a range all the way from 1357 up to, to 1378. And setting in, in here right now, you know, we, we are chopping back and forth. And there's enough in that way I'd sum it up, Susan. There's enough positives there yet that keeps really the bears from selling it too hard. But yet there's enough uncertainty out there in regard to demand uh, that ultimately the, the bulls have a hard time wanting to buy it and, and run it a lot higher. So it's just kind of like whatever the money flows at the moment, we're just bouncing and gyrating back and forth on either side of unchanged. So looking at the, what, what do you see as some of the biggest things we need to be really focusing on at this point? You know, when we get to this time of the, the season, let's just kind of sum it up in, in the area. You know, in the most part, beans are wrapped up or, or getting really close. A lot of guys are getting through corn or making a, a, some guys, you know, might have a good start on it. And there's probably a few others that are wrapping up in certain areas, depending on how their yields were. So at this point in time, we, we still have that talk and it's important what the yields are. But we continue to transfer our focus over to anything that has the impact on the demand side. We know that we just came off a crop report, so we have a little while until we get to the next crop report. And so there'll be a lot of attention given to, you know, what is was the U.S. dollar also doing um, in relation to the other currencies. Not to get mixed up with U.S. dollar index. We follow that, but we know we have to track how U.S. dollars doing versus Brazilian real, the, the Chinese yuan, uh, Argentine peso. And and then we also have to keep a close eye on the Ukraine situation. We got to watch South America, and and we have to watch. I'd say the energy market very close. And those are some of the major things right now that we need to have on our radar screen to to bring in and make decisions about our marketing plan, Susan. You know, I was reading earlier today um, that we might not see an extension to this this trade. I don't want to call it a deal, but this this trade agreement that's going on between Russia and Ukraine. But how much of an influence, whether this goes through or not, is it playing on our U.S. markets? Well, it, it definitely has an impact. So let's just kind of go back and take a look at that. You know, they've they've actually had, I would say, over 300 ships. Um, that they've sent out were probably approaching 7 million metric tons so in in of uh, grain and so in rough terms that'd be about 280 million bushels so that's been bushels that were trapped within the country there was a few things that were important about that obviously it, it brought bushels out um you're going to see a lot of talk out there as you see people talk about well, how does the price of, the, of corn at the Gulf and at the Pacific Northwest up at Washington, and how does that compare to really what corn is offered out of Ukraine and offered out of Brazil? 
And, and right now, on paper, Ukraine shows that it has some very cheap offers. But one thing you have to keep in mind, that's that's picked up at their port. But what we know is there's a lot of insurance premium um, for individual ships that are going in there. So when you talk about on a delivered basis, they're not as cheap as what it would seem on paper. So far, what they've been getting, though, is they've been getting a lot of smaller ships going in. So let's just think you're the owner of a ship line, and you're going to take ships into this area. Well, what are you doing? You're probably not taking your biggest ships. You're probably not also taking your newest ships. So there's some of the new, older ones. And then the other thing that's happened here is this the grain corridor. Um, ultimately, it's uh, the amount of time it's taken for the inspection. So they, they get inspected. The ships get inspected so they can go to port to make sure they aren't carrying anything that's going to help Ukraine out. And then they get loaded. And then they got to come back and go down towards Turkey and get inspected again. And that inspection, when they're coming back down to Turkey, you know, it used to take three to four days, five to six days. Now there's some instances where it could take out upwards to a month. Now, some of that's because there's more volume happening. Some of them would argue, well, some of these ships aren't ready. But at the end of the day, there just isn't been enough individuals there to do the inspections. And Russia hasn't wanted to add more people to it. So that's that's held things up. But one of the positives, though, I'd say that's happened is that has got bushels out of the country because our concern was, Susan, earlier that when they got into, when Ukraine got into their fall harvest, you know, they were going to be six, 700 million bushels short of storage because they had all these bushels held up. Now, it sure seems like they're going to still be short of storage, but our numbers now would suggest that maybe they're only going to be short about 250 to 300 million bushels. And from what we're hearing, a lot of that's going to get taken care of by some temporary space. So that, that helps things out, Susan. Do you have you heard anything about the quality of the grain that they are trying to ship at this point? Yeah, so far we have not heard that there's been any problems with the quality of the grain, but that was a big concern of ours. One of the big concerns was is that with all this grain being held in storage much longer than it should have, was it going to not be able to meet the grade of that uh, that was being asked? Of? But so far, we haven't necessarily heard that. Which is good news. Now, go to, go to South America. Weather much of a concern? Brazil seems to have some decent at this point. Yeah, there is, you know, and, and it's interesting with, with Brazil. Brazil, actually, I would say, is probably getting maybe a little bit more rain they'd like to see. Their their rainy season's definitely kicked in here, and they're moving along on, on getting corn and soybeans planted. And we'll talk more about Argentina after we come back after the break, Susan. All right, we got a lot to look at as we get ready to continue with the second half. Stick around, folks. More is coming up. We'll take a look at more of what's happening with that weather in South America, how that crop's going on. We know that there's a lot of pressure that's being built into what could be a crop for those folks this year. We come back, we'll also look at the demand in ethanol and maybe the concerns that have been happening with the low water levels continuing on the Mississippi. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Borough Radio Network. Let's get another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Eric Wasini as part of a three-man crew for Peterson Livestock based in Oxford, Nebraska. So, Eric, you used to be a district man for Fontenelle Hybrids. Now, as a dealer, tell us what makes Fontenelle stand out above other local seed brands. I think a lot of it is for what really makes Fontenelle stand out is our product lineup. Dealing with bear and what we get from a genetic lineup. In my area, it's a lot with soybeans specifically. We've got a big issue with iron deficiency chlorosis. Um, and we've got several different beans, different maturities that work extremely well going up and down the hills. Um, we run into in Furnace and Arlen County. And so it's, it's really nice to have the depth 
of product selection that we have. For more on product selection, you can contact Eric Wasenius of Peterson Livestock based out of Oxford, Nebraska, or contact your local Fontenelle dealer or go to Fontenelle. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Jeff Peterson. Jeff is with Heartland Farm Partners. We left off obviously talking about what was going on in South America weather-wise. And Brazil has had some decent, uh, but how bad is it in Argentina or is it as bad as what's being relayed? Well, I, I think it's important. Argentina is a very important producer. I mean, the, the number one exporter, as you look at the soybean meal and soybean oil, and probably about right now, number three on the exports of corn. To give you an idea, um, they're about 16% planted on the corn side, and they've got two windows on the corn. They kind of have a longer season corn um, and then a shorter season corn, and we're in the window for that longer season. And now, What's what could happen in here, Susan? And the reason they're not as far along as they should be is that it's been drier and they've been holding up. And there is some talk that they may end up actually maybe moving some of those acres, this longer season corn, over to maybe soybeans. Now their window, their other planting window, you know, we'll we'll get another window here. Um, about December, they'll get started on, on some of their later or their shorter season corn. But to give you an idea, they haven't started much on the soybeans yet in Argentina, and that's kind of normal. Now, currently, where we sit right now, if we were to say, you know, uh, zero is, is really extremely dry and is, it could be a problem, and 10 is extremely wet, we'd probably rate Argentina at a two right now. They're, they're really dry. But as we look at the one-week and two-week forecast, it does look like they're going to pick up some more moisture in one week one and week two. We'll have to see if that materializes. Buenos Aires is kind of going to be the area that's kind of going to be the bullseye for that. So that'd be very much welcomed. Now, planning progress as we move over to Brazil, I failed to mention that earlier, they're about 46% planted on their first corn crop. And keep in mind that first corn crop makes up about 25% of all their corn. And most all that corn will get raised on this first crop here will get used domestically. Now, they've still got corn in there. You know, basically that from their, their safrina crop, the one they would have harvested this summer, they've still got that corn around yet. But most of all, that will go towards export. And that's some of the corn that's actually competing with us right now. But then as we move over to the soybean side, they're about 24% planted on soybeans. And uh, we'd normally say for this time of year, be about 15%. So the reason we're focused and looking at that weather so much is that it sure does look like they're off to a good start. Uh, La Nina still is in place, and La Nina typically for South America would mean two dry conditions would come up in southern Brazil and over into Argentina. We haven't seen those problems in southern parts of Brazil, but it definitely has showed up in Argentina. So it's one to watch. If they have a really good crop, they're going to physically put a lot of pressure on our soybean prices down the road. So we're going to have to watch that crop really close, Susan. So you talk about dry, and just to kind of give us a, a frame of mind, when you say dry, are you saying dry like what we see have seen around here? Or how dry is it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and from what we're seeing in Argentina, actually, I would say, yes, it is very similar to what we've seen for dryness around here. And that's what has held them up from actually getting that crop planted. But keep in mind, they can get a tremendous amount of moisture in those parts of Argentina. So they can still correct from this. So I don't want to get in everybody's mind that, oh, we got a big disaster there. It, it could be a problem. But yet they still could pick up enough moisture yet to to all of a sudden have it be just fine yet. Okay. 
Perfect. Um, Ethanol-wise, how are things looking? Well, we got an ethanol report out today, and it was good to see that that ultimately numbers were higher on the production side, so that's coming up. And and we kind of thought that was a function of getting further into corn harvest. One thing that we are watching, though, is at the basis levels all across the Corn Belt, especially in Nebraska in particular, uh, basis levels are very strong at the ethanol plant, so they're having to pay a lot. And and their margins right now, honestly, is probably break-even, probably at best in many cases. So what we really need to see happen is we do need to see that price of, unfortunately, oil go up higher. We know that that means higher gasoline prices, but we do need to see some better margins pop in on the ethanol side if we're going to have hope that we're going to be able to hit USDA targets down the road. Now, our belief is as we go forward that we will see higher energy prices and, and ultimately so down the road we should see better margins come into ethanol. But that is another area that we're going to have to watch very close. Well, and speaking of exports, if we don't get some water moving down that Mississippi, there could be some bigger concerns heading into the later part of this year. Yeah, there, there really is. So, well, you know, what we're hearing in many of those areas, and keep in mind, when you hear about dredging happening on the Mississippi, that's something that goes on a lot. But there are more areas that have to be dredged, and the Mississippi is getting to some very low levels. Many areas are approaching levels from when we'd have been back in 2012. Other areas that went past that, and the time when it would have been worse than 2012, would have taken us back to 1988. And overall, it's causing us not to be able to load as much on the barges and the, and the amount of barges, how wide the barge's toes are are not able to be as wide, Susan. So that's causing issues. It's driving up the price of the freight. And as a result, it's making our corn and soybeans more expensive at the Gulf. So it looks like there are going to be some rains that's going to come into the eastern Corn Belt, I hope would be as I'd raise that level of Mississippi a little bit. All right. Sounds good. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff. Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com where you can get some of our free daily commentary delivered by text or email or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Reminder, commodity futures and options evolve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio.